Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of The Gunshot, an NBA podcast covering all teams regardless of market size. My name is Grant Gunn, and my sister, she's back. No more 4th of July parties. We uh back to normal society and having to work like the rest of us adults. But we are here to talk about all the fun NBA stuff that has happened over the past week. Um, Lauren, we want to start off the top. There's been uh, some big news around, I guess, more, more big rumors at this point around DeAndre Ayton. He's obviously um, a piece that's been floated around. Uh, the Kevin Durant rumors and what may happen there. Um, But the Indiana Pacers uh, have opened up almost a a near max slot. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously right now, I think today is, is the day we're recording this uh, Saturday, July 9th. It's the morning right now. So I don't think the Malcolm Brogdon trade to Boston has officially become official yet, but it's Mm -hmm. it's set to become official this afternoon. And at that Mm -hmm. point they will officially have the max uh, cap space to turn around and offer someone like Deandre Ayton, uh, a max spot and so mm-hmm. if he signs an offer sheet uh that could definitely tie up the phoenix suns options really at that point it becomes okay are you match are you matching the offer uh or are you going to let him walk or potentially work out a signing trade with the pacers those if if Aiton signs the offer sheet those become the two options um so lauren i want to talk to you what are, what are your thoughts about Aiton signing that that offer sheet do you think this is a legitimate possibility Um, and and what does that look like for both sides if that happens? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a legitimate possibility because, I mean, this would be an opportunity for him to go play with a team that has an intriguing young core. I mean, you and you've already got Tyrese Halliburton, who's a fantastic playmaker. And so you're, you're going to, you would go to a new system with a coach that has a lot of experience in Rick Carlisle and you would essentially, I, I don't. I saw someone say that he would be the number one option. And I think that that's potentially debatable, but he would be incredibly so much more important to the Indiana Pacers than he is to the Phoenix Suns. And don't get me wrong. He's very important to the Phoenix Suns, but I think how he would be used in Indiana and what he would mean to that team uh, would, would just, it would be different. And so I, I mean, to me, like this comes down to Indiana and Indiana just going in and potentially ruining uh, Phoenix's plans and and maybe ruining Phoenix's plans is a, a dramatic way to put it, but I'll be interested to see how this pushes the Kevin Durant timeline because I'm sure Phoenix is over there saying, Hey, you know, we've got a, we would love to try and make some sort of Kevin Durant deal happen. Um, but it doesn't look like it just doesn't look like the nets are sold on, on what that package looks like right now, which means obviously you got to go and try and get another third team in there to maybe get a more full, more complete package for Brooklyn. But the Pacers don't care about that. And they don't need to, like you said today, the, the Malcolm Brogdon uh, trade becomes official and they, they now have an open caps or a, a max caps, max cap space. So um, I'll be interested to see how they approach this because DeAndre picking up DeAndre Aiden for nothing would be it, it, it would be an incredible move for them like I, I really can't even put it into words it's baffling how big of a deal that would be for them moving forward and how that would change their trajectory so in my opinion I don't see anything stopping them I'd like to think that once that uh trade becomes official there will start to be even more buzz that hey they're looking at putting this offer sheet together Aiton is prepared to sign and just I'll, I'll be interested to see how much things start to heat up and if there becomes any more momentum on the Kevin Durant front as far as they're getting closer to a deal, uh, the Nets are kind of getting closer, or they're just coming together more more so in negotiations. 
Right. I think from the Kevin Durant aspect, the best offer, so to speak, obviously there have been things that have thrown out there, but but maybe the the best, most realistic offer, I should say. It sounds like he wants to go to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're going to throw a package together of Aiton, Bridges, and some picks, mm-hmm. like now's the time to do that because if Indiana swoops in, which I think they absolutely should, for all those reasons you touched on, uh, pairing him with Tyrese Halliburton, I think gives that franchise a direction. Mm-hmm. Right now there's yeah. been so many rumors about Miles Turner seems to be on the move. Buddy Heald, uh, there's rumors of, of his name floating around. It. And you move on from those guys, you acquire some more assets like you did in the Malcolm Brogdon trade. And it's like, okay, great. You're you're setting your eyes towards the future. But in the meantime, what are you doing to help develop the Tyrese Halliburton? You're just getting him reps, which obviously is huge and helps. But if you pair him with the DeAndre Aiden, that completely changes your tra- trajectory and your timeline. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be huge for them. So I, I'm pulling for that. Um, for, for them, for that uh, aspect of it. I also love the wrinkle that this throws in the Kevin Durant thing because everything <laughs> has been on hold across mm-hmm. the league since mm-hmm. Kevin Durant has requested a trade. And if this this domino were to fall, and and why why should the Pacers wait on, on Kevin exactly. Durant? They have no exactly. reason to. But that that just throws a wrench in, in one whole other possibility for Kevin Durant. So I love that. I love that the small market teams are not going to be beholden yes. to this um, Kevin Durant domino. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. And, and what I think is is very fascinating is that if if DeAndre Ayton goes to the Pacers, which I, I would love to see it happen, frankly. Um, also, just taking another really solid player out of the West would be great. And and it take it then takes Phoenix out of the running for Kevin Durant. I just don't see how that would happen then right. if they don't have Ayton. Um, and we've seen that before. Like, yes, we're in the player empowerment era and players typically go where they want to go, but we've seen it happen before where you, you just don't get to go where you want to go. And I think this could be one of those scenarios. And so at that point, if you take Phoenix out of the running and everyone's kind of looking at Miami, like I, without including BAM, which I really don't think that they want to do, um, it, they don't really have enough either. They just don't. And so at that point, okay. Let's look everywhere else. You know, where, what are the realistic options for Kevin Durant? And and I truly think if you take Phoenix out of the running, it really opens things up for Joe Sy and the Brooklyn Nets. So um, I don't know that I would necessarily say, oh, Phoenix is out of it. Okay, this is where he's going. There's a clear next favorite. I, I don't know that I would, I would say that as of right now. And so I would love, absolutely love to see the Pacers get in there and just kind of say, hey, yeah, this is what we're doing. Because you want to know what else it will do is right now, well, the Pacers, I mean, moving off of Sabonis was um, getting Tyrese Halliburton back. I think most people would say that that was a win for the Pacers, even though Sabonis is a fantastic player. But if you're replacing what you lost in Sabonis by bringing in an elite big, and if you're Phoenix, I mean, the only one that truly knows how far Phoenix and Brooklyn are on their negotiations are the Phoenix Suns and the Brooklyn Nets. And so if they're looking at potentially doing this sign and trade with Miles Turner, which they don't have to do because of the max max cap space. um, But if that's something that comes to light as a possibility, they could look at doing bringing in Miles Turner. And that wouldn't be the worst things for the Phoenix Suns. So um, I do think that there's a world in which Aiden ends up going to the Pacers and Miles Turner potentially goes to the Suns. And I also think there's a world where um, Aiton returns to Phoenix and doesn't get traded for Kevin Durant. Because if they if they decide to match the offer because of 
for, well, there are many reasons why they would want to match the offer. They cannot do this Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant trade, like turn around and do that. There are restrictions on that. So you just, that that's another wrinkle in this whole plan that could come to light. Um, so yeah, I, I will be very fascinated to, to look at how Indiana uh, comes out of today as soon as this, this trade becomes official. Yeah, I almost expect this kind of to start playing out over the Me weekend too. and us, us to have something to talk about um, come Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you touched on it. I, I, I don't know what this does for Phoenix uh, if this were to happen, because just like you said, you can't trade DeAndre Ayton once this offer sheet is signed. You can mm-hmm. only trade him at that point to um, the Pacers in some sort of sign and trade. I don't know that that would make a ton of sense because um, – the Pacers already have the cap room. Now there may right. be some sort of um, finagling is not the right word, but there may be some sort of movement to try to make things work. Uh, Miles Turner has obviously been rumored uh, to be on the move or, or at least shopped around. So maybe mm-hmm. there's some sort of swap that this um, could make, but, but all of those things would, would restrict, just like you said, what Phoenix could turn around and do with those guys that they acquire or with Aiden, if, if they decide to match Aiden, I don't think right. they can trade him until like, mid-December or mid-January I forget when the date is um but yeah that's a it's a huge wrinkle in the Kevin Durant acquisition um so so that's fascinating the other the other piece to this is um if you look at the Pacers roster uh I I talked about them having a a clear direction with a um Tyrese Halliburton DeAndre Ayton one two Mm -hmm. I mean they've they've got Buddy Heald on the roster too and now he's another guy whose name has been floated around a little bit uh, but mm-hmm. you just look at what he did in 20, 26 games after being acquired um, from the the Kings. The guy's assist numbers went through the roof under Rick Carlisle. Yeah. And he was a guy who who really averaged two assists, three assists his whole career. I mean, he, his his career high was 3.6 in the 2020-2021 season. Uh, and then the, the season before that was three assists. He was up to 4.8 in 26 games. So just seeing a very prominent role in Rick Carlisle's offense uh, I think is another fascinating piece to, to put with Halliburton and, and Aiton so j- just kind of like what that roster is doing obviously lots of moves to potentially be made mm-hmm. yeah and if I can add something else kind of swinging it back to Kevin Durant a little bit and and before I mentioned there's or I said that there's not a clear favorite for Kevin Durant after Phoenix um, and the reason I said that is because I think a lot of people would shift their focus to Toronto because they do have a compelling offer to put together but to me, the only way that gets done is if Scotty Barnes is in there. And if I'm Masai, I just don't know. I don't know what where his head is at on potentially having uh, one to three years with Kevin Durant. Probably, well, well, I mean, four years, I guess, if you want to look at the contract with Kevin Durant versus a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's very bought into being a Toronto Raptor, is only 20 years old, does a little bit of everything and looks like he can be a really, really solid player. Um, I don't know if Masai, where he stands on potentially mortgaging this entire future as far as having these really young players, these long, um, this pro, this body prototype that he's been kind of just continuing to to collect between Scotty and OG and Pascal. Um, so I'm just not a hundred percent sure that he would be open to including Scotty. And if there's, it would floor me if Kevin Durant ended up in Toronto without Scotty Barnes headed to Brooklyn. Um, so that that's kind of why I'm like, I just don't know that there's a clear favorite as of right now, but I do still think Toronto is a very fascinating uh, potential destination. 
Yeah, I, I want to ask you one one other piece of this, Kevin Durant. What do you think is more likely? And obviously the Vegas odds will tell you probably the answer to this, but I want to mm-hmm. I want to know what you think. Do you think it's more likely Kevin Durant ends up playing for the Nets next year? Or do you think it's more likely he plays for another non-Phoenix Suns team? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So um, if it's not Phoenix, does he end up back in Brooklyn, basically? Or yeah, do you think yeah, yeah. he still gets moved? Uh, man. If it's not Phoenix, I mm, I do still feel like it's more likely that he ends up playing for a non-Phoenix team. And the, the reason is, I just... they. I mean... Brooklyn has no reason to rush this. Everybody keeps saying that they have no reason to, I mean, he's got four years left, Kevin Durant's personality. He's not the type of guy that's going to sit and refuse to play. So they have no reason to rush this. Um, But at the same time, I I keep coming back to Joe Sy and everything that he said and every, everything that like hit what he, how he's approached this entire situation would not, is not consistent with the logic and the philosophy that would support oh yeah, we're going to keep, I have all the leverage. Like you're going to come back to, you're going to report to camp until I get what I want. I think he's, I mean, the way I'm looking at it is, okay, he's going to continue negotiating and he's going to look at this and he's ready to find a solution because he doesn't want to do another year of what happened last year. He'd rather have a 41 team, you know, back to that quote. And so a 41 team of of players that want to be there. So um, I don't think it's off the table at all that he returns and shows up for camp. And I think he'd be a professional. I don't think it would be a complete disaster. Um, but I, I, there are plenty of teams out there that have interest in Kevin Durant. And I, I think Josiah is, is very aware of that. And there's probably a specific package or few packages that he feels uh, is, is good enough. And they're just not quite there yet. Uh, but I do think that, you know, he's got a lot of the leverage, if not all of it. And at that point, he can just kind of wait until these teams have moved past. OK, this is our initial offer. We're willing to we're willing to to give up a little extra for arguably the best offensive player in in the league right now. Right. Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, for those who who don't don't know or, or are not aware of that. So, so Lauren, it sounds like you kind of think the the Nets KD ship has sailed, and I think I'm with you. Um, the fascinating piece is, is where Kyrie falls in all this too, because I mm-hmm. do think there is a small, small world where mm-hmm. we see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving opening day one still in Nets uniforms. I don't. You don't see. I, I just don't. The There's only, no way. The problem is, it, it sounds like Kyrie is, is hell bent on getting to LA, LA. Yes. and the Nets are unwilling to take on Russ, which I get. Um, and I think it's more likely that Kyrie gets moved than KD because I think it's easier to find somebody who's who's willing to kind of swap some contracts, make that work, whether it's a mm-hmm. Dallas right. um, or somebody else. So I, I see that happening. Um, mm-hmm. But I just trying to find a place for, for Kevin Durant, you see these offers that are being reported out there. I mean, mm-hmm. picks and young guys and... Um, I, I mean, whatever you want. I wish I had something in front of me um, to kind of make that a little more tangible. But but you've seen some of the offers that Memphis have, has reportedly. I, I want to say Jaron Jackson was included in some offers along with picks and all these different things. The problem mm-hmm. is 
you've got to get the Nets on board. And obviously you probably want to appease KD, though you have no reason to. Right. Um, but it's just a whole fascinating, like like you said, they have every reason to be patient because there's no right. reason to rush this, which is why I think there's a small world where KD starts the season in a, in a Brooklyn uniform. And I just wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie is too. Now, like I said, I, I think he gets moved quicker, but um, there there's just a the NBA is weird it doesn't make yeah. sense to me sometimes and I feel like I see this playing out a little longer than than we may think yeah I think it could absolutely play out what and, and this is why it was why it's so fascinating with the DeAndre Ayton of it all because if DeAndre Ayton signs the offer sheet and time is ticking and those three days are going by where Phoenix has the opportunity to match it's either going to really pick up and Kevin Durant's going to get moved or it's it's like the time is going to be taken down and it's going to become apparent that, okay, Phoenix is out of the race. And that's just, that's just it. And they're going to shift their focus somewhere else. And then at that point, I think the Kevin Durant thing could get pushed out. But in my opinion, I don't see Kyrie Irving suiting up in a Brooklyn Nets jersey. I think he will, I think he will refuse to show up before he shows up to play in a Brooklyn Nets jersey um, until he can get to, um, until he can get to LA. That's what I think. And 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 I've seen the Kyrie to Dallas, like, oh, front office member said there's no way. Um, and the re- initial report of interest with Philly and Dallas was essentially just BS. Um, it's not that I think that Dallas is sitting over there like, oh, we can jump on this Kyrie situation. But I absolutely think there are conversations being had on teams outside of the Lakers as to why a trade for Kyrie Irving would make sense, not saying that it's necessarily priority number one or it's they're pushing for it hard, but I do think that those conversations are being had because the situation is so unique. Do I think it, if I were to bet my money where Kyrie Irving's going to end up? Yeah, I bet on the Lakers. It just, it all looks like it's headed that way. Um, but I don't think it's completely out of the question that he ends up on another team besides the Lakers. I think it's pretty unlikely as of right now, but that's just, I wanted to clear that up. And then uh, with Kevin Durant, I just, I do think, I do think that he would potentially show up and could start the season again. If the three days go by where Aiton signs the offer sheet and he go say he goes to Indiana or it gets matched and he stays in Phoenix and he's now no longer tradable. Um, or for a period of time, I do think there's a chance KD stays with Brooklyn until either until that that restriction is lifted um, or expires, I should say, or um, a better offer comes in or he just say he starts the, the season with the Nets. I think that's possible. I don't see Kyrie. I just I can't I cannot <laughs> see them playing together. It's so hard for my brain and I could be wrong. I'll be the the first to admit when I'm wrong. Um, but I just, as of right now, I really, it's hard to envision that. Yeah. The the problem is that the Nets front office, uh, Steve Nash included in that, Mm -hmm. um, does not seem to be on the same page with Kyrie and Kevin, which is obviously why there's so much division, why, why it seems like they're on the move. Uh, but I've, I've got to imagine if, if they went to KD and said, Hey, we don't have an offer we want to take, we want to start the season. Um, is that okay with you? I I mean, he didn't really have an option. I feel yeah, like he'd be exactly. like, What's yeah, yeah, exactly. So th- that's just um, how I feel like this could end up playing out. Uh, obviously, who knows? Um, but anyway, uh, another kind of big 
topic this this week Wednesday earlier this week the moratorium lifted NBA players were officially allowed to begin signing um, their offers that were previously agreed upon once free agency had begun um, obviously the the big name especially in, in the Mavs circle uh, was Jalen Brunson he agreed mm-hmm. to a it sounded like a four-year 104 million dollar deal with the New York Knicks um, however it is July 9th we are three days after the moratorium has lifted Jalen Brunson is yet to have signed his deal. It has not have been not been announced uh, as an official signing by either the Knicks. Um, I, I guess Dallas wouldn't really announce that. It, mm-hmm. it, it all seems to have been in, in place. There's no doubt he's going to New York at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that he hasn't signed his contract is interesting. So, uh, Lauren, there are obviously rumors. Uh, is a signing trade being worked out? Um, right. What kind of is holding this up? Um, so I want to get your thoughts. What, what is happening with Jalen Brunson right now? Yeah. So Jalen, I mean, Mark Stein reported that, uh, Jalen Brunson has yet to complete his physical in New York, uh, which is obviously a part of a trade becoming official. That's a, that's a key part of it. And so there's that. And you, you pointed out to me, I didn't realize that Jalen Brunson is on vacation. And so Obviously, you can't be in two places at once. So that's a very small detail, but a reason why this hasn't become official yet. Um, it does look like this sign and trade uh, is possible and could potentially be a favorable move for New York. Um, Ian Begley dropped an article this week talking about how if the Mavericks or if the Knicks facilitate a sign and trade uh, for Jalen Brunson, then they still have, and his quote, access to different exceptions, which they would presumably use to sign other players. And so um, they signed Isaiah Hartenstein and they brought back Mitchell Robinson and they have a bunch of cap space and they could just sign Brunson and Hartenstein and then use uh, the bird rights to, to bring back uh, Mitchell Robinson. But if they do some sort of sign and trade, then they can potentially bring in another player. So at that point, I'm not 100% sure what the Knicks would be looking to move in a sign and trade, whether it be um, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, potentially. And and at that point, I'm like, why why would they? I I can really only see them doing, and I think Evan Fournier, I really don't see that happening. Um, but that's a lot of money to move off. And I don't think Dallas would necessarily turn away Evan Fournier because he's another wing and he can create his own shot. Um, but it's very interesting because the Knicks are kind of like, why would the Knicks do this? Um, and I, I would imagine it's they they're looking at a player out in free agency that they feel is a better fit for their system than maybe someone like Evan Fournier, who Tom Thibodeau used as kind of like a perimeter catch and shoot guy when, yes, he can create his own shot. And Cam Reddish, who's a young guy who just hasn't really gotten much of an opportunity despite them sending out a first round pick for him. So I do think it's a possibility that, um, maybe they move something or someone, but because it does look like it would be favorable for them. But um, I don't know quite how much they'd be willing to give up because they just don't have to. Right. Um, I, I want to clarify and just kind of break down the Ian Begley article that you talked about a second ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was reported that they were going to acquire Brunson into the cap space that they had created by trading Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. Uh, they freed up the space to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I'd like to point out that that trade also has not been officially announced yet. Um, I think the possibility of a sign and trade has kept that door open, but I'll touch on that in a second. So mm-hmm. if they announce that trade, sign Brunson into the cap space that they created, they can use the MLE, the mid-level exception, to 
acquire Hartenstein, which is what was originally reported. However, because none of this has been official, um, it opens up some doors. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson is going to be signed, acquire using their bird rights, meaning they can sign him if they're over the cap. Uh, so he will be the last piece of this to be officially signed. Um, so if they do this sign and trade, what, what they can potentially do is acquire Jalen Brunson, send out some additional cap, which also allows them to use their cap space to sign um, Hardenstein, which is where this additional exception comes in that you were talking about. So at that point, they still have the mid-level exception available to bring in the, the additional player that you were talking about. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how this would work from the Knicks side. Um, and then obviously the Mavs side, um, I, I don't know where this kind of makes sense. I think you've you've got to acquire a player that you would think would contribute to your your lineup or be some sort of asset that you can develop um, or maybe a draft pick, something. I don't know. Um, well, the trade exception, for the example. Trade, the trade exception, that's it. That's exactly a, a, a good way to put it. I think that's the most likely – Right. And that, that does seem if there's going to be a sign and trade, that really is, is the asset that seems to be headed Dallas's way. Uh, and, and I don't know what you do with that. And mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, um, of course, it's great to acquire assets in any way you can, especially since we're losing Jalen Brunson. If you can get back pennies on the dollar. Great. However, I just am not inclined to play ball with the Knicks at all. Like, <laughs> I feel like as a Mavs fan, they kind of cheesed us here. Mm-hmm. Um, by by acquiring Brunson before the deal, and that's fine. Maybe he was always going to go there, no matter what. Um, but if I'm Dallas, if if all I'm getting out of this is a trade exception, you, good luck. You figure it out. I'm not I'm not there to play ball with you. Um, and but but what it comes back to, and and I I mentioned this to you, and you you already touched on it. Jalen Brunson's on vacation. I think the reason nothing's been announced, nothing's been formalized, is because he's their big free agent signing right now. They want a press conference. They mm-hmm. can roll out his jersey. They can have yep. his dad and Leon stand oh, right Lord. next to him. The whole, the whole show. That's I can't even think want. about it. I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's what they're waiting for. And he's on vacation. He's in the Bahamas right now. So they can't do that. Um, and so that's why I think it hasn't been announced. I think the second he's done from vacation, he flies up to New York. They roll out the red carpet, the whole nine. And that's what you see. Um, so, so to me, I think that's what's holding it up. He's not there. Um, and so I, I don't really see this sign and trade playing out if it does it does if it doesn't it doesn't and i think that's yeah. what's most likely going to happen in my opinion but um definitely definitely interesting pieces for this i think the net the knicks obviously have the, the pieces to finagle there's really nothing for dallas to contribute here yeah and if i can add something on the on the trade exceptions i, I know a lot of mavs fans are not overly excited about the fact that dallas never seems to use their trade exceptions um, so why would we help the Knicks out by taking back a trade ex- or by, by simply just getting a trade exception to allow them to potentially go out and then sign another player? Why would we do that? Um, and I think that that's a that's a valid question. Like you said, why play ball for the Knicks if you're getting a trade exception that could be an asset? It's not necessarily a guaranteed right. um, thing. And so in that and, and at that point, I'm like, OK, could there potentially be something else that comes on top of the trade, uh, the trade exception as far as like a um as far as like a uh, like a dress a future draft pick or something like a not super valuable draft pick but the 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 thing about the trade exception is that you're not guaranteed and and it's not like oh just because you have a trade exception you're guaranteed to get somebody else because your team is going to force like essentially force a trade to happen because you have a trade exception that's, <laughs> that's just not how it works and right. so I want to I want to bring it back to the Josh Richardson trade exception um and how the Mavs were looking at trying to fit Matisse Thybul 
into that trade exception and, and just acquire him when it was clear that Philadelphia was trying to move off of him leading up to the draft. And obviously that didn't happen. And again, you cannot force a team to just trade away a player into your trade exception. Like that there, there are a lot of variables that have to line up perfectly for that to happen. And so I don't want people to sit there and be like, the Mavs never use their trade exception and they just let it expire you know, because they just either aren't on top of it, they forget about it or what, obviously they're not forgetting about it, but like, they're just not working that hard because that's just not the reality. That's not how it works. You have to get an entire other organization to agree (laughs) to a deal. So it just, that's just not how it works. And so do I think there's, there's technically value in a trade exception um, as an asset? Yes. I do think that there's value there, but it's, it's pretty small value. So if you're going to help the Knicks out, I'd like to think that, you know, you wouldn't just do it for a trade exception. Right. Uh, To just talk a little bit more about how the trade exception works, maybe not works, um, but the only players that are acquired in a trade exception or into a trade exception are salary dump guys. Um, Yes. That that's it. Nobody's, nobody's going out there and saying, Ooh, Spencer Dinwiddie looks real good on the maps and I've got $20 million to offer. I'll send yeah. you a first round pick for, yeah. the, 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 I mean, it just doesn't work that way. The maps would probably want more than that. Uh, and obviously that's a asinine hypothetical scenario. So, so not really maybe the best, but, but you get what I'm saying. Like it doesn't, it's, it's the guys that you send out on the salary dump to create cap space, to sign or trade somebody trade in somebody else. Like it just does mm-hmm. not work um, that way. So anyway, um that that that's really all i have on the brunson sign and trade i don't know if you have anything else you you want to add um so we're gonna head to a break uh we'll be right back we've got a couple more uh things to talk about obviously summer summer league kicked off in vegas this week all 30 teams are there uh as well as some colin sexton um rumors that are flying around so stay with us all righty welcome back so uh, before the break, we talked a little bit about Brunson, the signing trade, uh, as well as DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, and how all of that uh, continues to play out. But there's another guy, another restricted free agent who's floating around right now, um, obviously coming off a huge injury, just tore his meniscus, only played 11 games last year, uh, and that's Colin Sexton for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, there's rumored that there's not a lot of interest around the league, and, and obviously there are a lot of questions with the injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 11 games, he didn't play that well last year. Um, but it was obviously an extremely small sample size. Um, but you look at the Cavs roster and Darius Garland bursted onto the scene last year, uh, became a first time all-star. Um, they, they re-signed Ricky Rubio uh, and kind of reassured some of their depth. Mm-hmm. And they, and they did acquire Karis LeVert. He is more of a wing, but in, in that kind of two, three guard spot. So where Colin Sexton plays into all of this, uh, from a Cavs perspective, is definitely interesting. Um, however, there doesn't seem to be a ton of interest around the league, um, and maybe that's more so because of the injury questions and the lack of cap space or around mm-hmm. the league. There just aren't tons of teams lining up to submit offers that it sounds like Collins willing to sign. Um, so, Lauren, I want to talk to you. What are your thoughts on, on Colin Sexton? Do you think it's a wrap? Do you think he pretty much ends up in Cleveland no matter what, uh, or do you think there's a path he ends up somewhere else? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a wrap that he ends up back in Cleveland um, because he, he definitely wants close, closer to or upwards of $20 million, uh, whereas Cleveland is kind of more in the, it was quoted Jordan Clarkson contract range, which puts him at between um, 
you know, around 13 to, to maybe 16 at the max. Um, but I think Cleveland has a clear direction that they're trying to move and it's not going to make or break if they don't have Colin Sexton as a part of that uh, group. And so when I, I see that this article from Bleacher Report says he has no market, which is quoted from one single league executive. And that was the title of this article that was then aggregated into a million other articles. So that really came from one person that said that. So I don't necessarily think that there's absolutely no market for Colin Sexton. I think you hit it. It comes down to the lack of cap space and the distance between Colin Sexton's, well, self-perceived value and then the rest of the league's perceived value of where he's at because of the injury, because of the fact that Cleveland has pretty has a full roster and he's not on it technically well whatever uh so I just I think he could absolutely still end up on another team it's just incredibly complicated to try and get him somewhere else and so I've seen many people kind of draw it back to the Lowry marketing situation which was a sign and trade that happened kind of way down the line and I think it's going to be ultimately be a similar thing because the thing about Colin Sexton he's still very young and so he he's not just a guy that you're like oh he's a starter quality player he's young and has room to grow and so I have no doubt that there's there are multiple teams out there that are looking at the situation saying hey this is this is an opportunity for us and so um I think there's definitely I I do think that there are suitors out there I just don't think that they are lining up to pay him 20 million and that they're lining up to offer Cleveland something because Cleveland has to agree to it. So uh, kind of similar to Chicago with Lowry marketing last year. So I, I just think that there are a lot of dominoes that have to fall in order for this situation to play out. And again, you have to bring it back to KD and Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell and how not that any of those guys are going to Cleveland, but just how that domino effect impacts the rest of the league. Um, for some teams that could potentially be interested in a guy like Colin Sexton and and where they are at in terms of either being a player in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes or maybe a potential facilitator. So uh, I think all these things are obviously linked, but I do not think it's, oh, Colin Sexton has no market. No team is interested. He's going back to Cleveland because he has no, there's just, he has zero value out on the market. I, I personally do not believe that. Yeah. Looking at Colin Sexton, there's no doubt he's playing next year for a team. He's not one of those fringe free agent guys. It's the number he's going to be playing at. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Like he said, is he a 13 to 16 million guy? Is he a $20 million guy? It's completely up to the perceived value around the league. Uh, and so I, I don't know what that number is. I'm, I have no doubt there's been conversations between his agent and other teams, uh, as well as the Cavs. Everybody's trying to find a home. I, I think the Cavs would be very happy having him back. Absolutely. Uh, and Absolutely. I, I think that's what they want long-term is, is him as a part of their roster. But I think it's at the right price because I mean, the injury will just kind of hang over his head. He's an athletic guy. Um, knee injuries are definitely scary. Um, and I, I don't want to, I read a couple articles and they all, they all fall back on the fact that prior to the injury, he was having a career worse year. He shot 24% from three, 16 points per game was a career low um, free throw, 74% from the line, two assists per game, all career lows. I mean, it's in 11 games in a new, <laughs> a new system Yeah, I, with, with I a new rookie, Evan Mobley, Lowry marketing. I mean, the length that this team had defensively was, was completely new. And you saw them find their defensive identity over the course mm-hmm. of last season. Uh, and that was largely without Colin Sexton. 
Um, so I, I really don't think you can put any stock into those 11 games that he played. Yeah. Um, but where the stock is, is, is how is he going to bounce back from this injury? And so I'm mm-hmm. sure teams are looking at how guys have bounced back from this injury in the past, what their yes. career trajectories have looked like coming off meniscus tears um, and what that's going to look like. Uh, he has youth on his side. Like you said, he's 23. So um, big, big bonus. I I'm pulling for Colin Sexton. I think um, maps fans have, <laughs> have been drastically disappointed, um, which is fascinating. I saw somebody tweet. I don't remember what it was, but it was after acquiring wood for Christian wood for what seemed like, pennies on the dollar getting rid of mm-hmm. all of our rotation guys uh and and the first round pick it was a, it was a trade that was widely applauded by everyone on Mavs Twitter yeah. then we trade back into the draft and acquired or and, and take Jaden Hardy who looked like a great value pick and and it looked like the Mavs offseason was off to a great start yeah then we lose out on Jalen Brunson uh and it's like everybody is is just massively Crashing. disappointed yeah and, and I get it like I'm I'm with you it feels like the, the needs coming into the offseason, I think Tim McMahon tweeted, the goals were to re-sign Theo Pinson. Didn't seem like that was going to be hard to do. Check. Resign Jalen Brunson. That didn't happen. And then the other thing was use the MLE to sign a wing. And we mm-hmm. did not do that. We acquired uh, JaVel McGee. And so I think that's where the Mavs fans' disappointment has come from. But I think if they're able to swing something here and bring in Colin Sexton, everything changes. Now, what that looks I like, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's an easy thing to do. You obviously got to send out some salary to do a sign and trade. And so at that point, you're probably compromising depth um, and, and trying to figure out what that looks like. That's somebody else's job. Um, and Lauren, if you have anything you want to kick around, I'm definitely interested to hear it. But I, I think it comes back to what is that number that Colin Sexton signs for? What's the value around the league? What's he willing to take? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say it's definitely possible for Dallas, but I have... Oh my Lord, I have tried and I've even tweeted out some trade scenarios and they haven't been one. They've changed because of the roster construction of Cleveland or the other teams trying to, that I've used to facilitate the deal. Um, But it's not just a, Oh, I'm trading out 20 million of Tim Hardaway jr. And I'm getting back Colin Stexon 20 million. Like that does not work. I've talked to um, Mavs CBA. I've talked to him several times, um, in in my dms and we've talked about some of the rules the apron and how that would work and it's a lot more complicated than it would appear um just looking at a potential like one for one like i said the 20 million of tim hardaway or approximately 20 million and then a 20 million of colin sexton that just doesn't work so it's very complicated but again i think dallas similar to the Kyrie situation is looking at this as a potential opportunity doesn't necessarily they're going chips all in for colin sexton i don't know that that's uh, necessarily the case, but I think this is definitely something worth monitoring. Absolutely. Um, so last thing I want to talk about, uh, NBA summer league, it was something <laughs> that kicked off in Vegas this week, obviously, um, the ultimate reactions, every, every game, every possession is boom or bust for every draftee. Um, and mm-hmm. so and yes. it, it's, it's the most fun part about summer league is deciding <laughs> right now, whether these guys are hall of famers or whether they're bench warmers. Um, but we've seen some guys get off to hot starts, uh, and, and some others not so hot, uh, mm-hmm. obviously Chet Holmgren bursted onto the scene with a big performance in the Utah jazz summer league. Um, he, he set the summer league block record, uh, I think, uh-huh. and, and, I think I think it was six that he had. It's six, yeah. Which was surprising to him. And so I, I, to be honest, I don't know if that was a summer league record or if that was a Utah summer league record. I don't know that it makes a difference either way. But it was just a fascinating stat. 
I saw his second game. He didn't play so hot. So obviously, <laughs> like massive swings. Like these guys are figuring it all out for the first time, and, and it's fascinating to watch. So, Lauren, I, I'm curious if you have any guys you want to talk about, anything you're interested in uh, moving forward as the summer league still continues to to play out. Yeah, I mean, I it's I, I love the summer league because it's again, it's it's an it's a time for fans to see some of these guys get excited about what could happen for the future of their franchise. Um, and it's also an opportunity for some of these guys to try and find their footing in the league and and establish whether they're looking to get a final roster spot or get a trading him inf- invite or uh, potentially be a two way guy. So it's always fun. I mean, Chet. Chet was, he looked like exactly what we've all been talking about with Chet, lots of talent. Um, I thought it was interesting that he got six blocks against the Utah Summer League team that had Taco Fall, who's seven foot six, and Coffee Cockburn, who's nearly 300 pounds. So you're dealing with both sides of the physical kind of extreme as far as being a thick guy and as far as being a super tall guy in Taco Fall. So Chet's out there. I don't want to necessarily be like, oh yeah, he was holding his own, but like six blocks is nothing to really right like that's that's a lot and especially against those guys so um as far as chet i think he he doesn't shy away from trying to get up there and 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 um be a, a rim protector and that was obviously a, a good thing to see if you're a thunder fan or a, a home grand fan or whatever so i mean but at the same time he's chet the, everyone has been talking about the talent the upside so i don't think that that's overly surprising um i really like i mean i think it's fun when you see guys like Kenneth Lofton Jr. come out and just <laughs> right like you got Jaw sitting courtside eating up every minute. You've got people tweeting about him. That's what the summer league is about. That's what the NBA is about. A lot of it has to do with a lot of the NBA as a whole has to do with recency bias, buzz, um, mm-hmm. and just getting your name out there. So I love seeing that for guys uh, like Kenneth Lofton Jr. Um, and of course, I have to touch on Jaden Hardy of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> our our one glimmer of hope right now. Um, no, but he had, he had an awesome, he had a solid performance yesterday. I enjoyed seeing the the Twitter reaction. Um, but what I, what I'm looking for in summer league, because guys can get hot, guys can put up points or stats or whatever. What I'm looking for is the confidence, how aggressive do they look? And that was what I saw a lot of from Jaden Hardy. He was very aggressive uh, attacking the rim. He drew a lot of fouls, got to the free throw line, uh, a bunch of times. And he just, I mean, he was knocking down some, some difficult off the dribble mid range shots. And so these are the types of things that it's not like, Oh, I'm getting hot and I'm hitting wide open threes because the defense isn't really, you know, that top tier it's I'm getting to the rim. I'm finishing over taller players uh, with contact and, and just doing things that can earn potentially earn them minutes at, at the the next level uh, if they do, you know, make the roster and aren't a two-way guy. And so I do expect Jaden Hardy to make the roster and not be a two-way guy, but who knows uh, what can happen there. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's what I like seeing for a lot of some of these guys, especially, especially Jaden. Yeah. I, be, I believe that it was announced that Jaden Harley Hardy is going to be signed into that MLE space, the three-year deal, oh, right, 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 which, right. which makes him a restricted free agent. So it sounds like he will be part of the, um, the full-time roster, which I think, I think is generally good news. Um, yes. It'll be interesting to see kind of how he, he carves out a role. If he carves out a role, uh, I want to talk, touch on his line. He ended up with 28 points on nine and 19 shooting was two of seven from three, got to the free throw line 11 times and hit eight of them. Uh, ended the game with three assists, grabbed four boards and a steal along the way. So uh, uh, great showing from him, especially on the box score 
uh, the box score side of things. And, and then you touched on the things you were seeing. So from a Mavs standpoint, definitely uh, a lot to be excited for. Um, the only other thing I, I would have mentioned is, is how exciting Detroit has been. And, and I've got to be honest, I haven't mm-hmm. watched a ton of summer league. It's only Twitter clips that I'm seeing, um, but watching mm-hmm. this, I, this uh, Jaden Ivy, Jalen Dern fit has been uh, a lot of fun. The, the, Detroit Pistons dropped a, a video. Um, uh, it was their draft war room almost where they kind of the moment they decided they were trading back in um, to acquire Duran, which was very cool to see. So I like I like seeing the camaraderie of these teams start to play out um, mm-hmm. more so than how some of these young guys are playing, because you can get hot or cold in, in a summer league week. Um, but I mean, same thing, Chet and um Josh Giddy, you, you're seeing these guys kind of build camaraderie uh-huh. and be together, which I think is the most fun aspect of all of this. So um, yeah. obviously the weekend is kicking off. Uh, there's going to be a lot of summer league games, both today, Saturday and Sunday. I'll have my eyes on now that I've got some time. Um, so Lauren, uh, I don't know if you have any other summer league shout, shout outs, uh, obviously a lot more fun to watch. And then the summer league championship, the playoffs will be getting going next week. So lots to lots to still see. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for what we have. I mean, the more sample size you get, I mean, AJ Lawson is a, is not necessarily a super big name, but he had a really solid performance yesterday for the Mavs. Yeah, Josh Giddy was really solid. Dalen Terry, obviously, because the Mavs played Chicago, I really liked what I saw from him. I mean, there are lots of guys out there that are are putting together solid performances, and so as the sample size grows, I'll be interested to see how they look, how the confidence, the shot selection, just how all that looks. And so it's fun. Summer league is always fun. Just enjoy it. It's part of the process. And uh, yeah, keep your eyes out for some of these sleeper guys. Absolutely. Well, that's going to bring us to a close on another edition of the gunshot. We thank you for taking a listen with us and we will see you all next time.